I want to welcome you today to the continuation of our Uncommon Sense message series. I had a guess at the beginning of the day that our service attendance would be disproportionate to what it typically is because something is happening at noon today that will affect all four of our services. I think it's a football game. There's some team in town here called the 49ers. And I always get people that ask me to pray for the 49ers, like God really cares about that. Last year, I had a guy from Boston ask me to pray for the... New England Patriots, and that day they just got crushed in the playoffs as a result of my prayer. So I'm not praying for the 49ers today. But anyways, we're in the middle of a message series called Uncommon Sense. And we started this series two weeks ago talking about the subject of wisdom. We said that if we apply wisdom to any area of our lives, we experience a measure of success. Finances, relationship, marriage, dating, the way we go about our work. If we apply wisdom, we experience success. But the goal of life is not to be wise and successful. The goal of life actually is to be connected to the one who created wisdom, to the one who defines what success is all about. So the worst thing that could happen to our lives is that we would build our entire lives on a faulty structure or realize at the end that the ladder we had been climbing was leaning against the, long, the wrong wall. So we said the first week that we want to build on a secure foundation that the Bible gives us called the fear of God or the fear of the Lord. But it's not a typical fear. It's a reverence for who God is, that there is a God and I am not him. There's a God and you are not him. He controls the universe. He holds the planets in orbit. And the wisest way any person can live is within this framework or worldview. Then we went last week and we said this. We said that wise decision-making built on this foundation is this truth or this reality, that wise decision-making begins with the end in mind. When you're, you're approaching any endeavor, whether it's financially, a relationship, your place of work, wisdom begins with the destination in mind. But it's not just good enough to have good intentions with our destination. We have to mark off the path. And the other truth we said last week, which is so, so important, is it's not your intention that determines your destination. It's actually your direction. It's your choices. The steps that you take in life will determine your destination in any component or any area of life. Now, there is this one component of life that we're going to drill down into today that has a disproportionate effect on your direction and my direction. In fact, if you look back over the course of your life, starting with birth all the way to where you are today, this one component of your life has influenced where you decided you would go to college if you're that age now, what your major would be, where you would work, who your spouse would be, how you would spend your money, how you would parent your kids if you have children, how you would relate to your spouse if you're married. This one component of life has a disproportionate effect. In fact, that's why we're going to spend a whole week talking about this one subject, which is the subject of friendship. See, when I look back over my life, there are so many friendships that have changed the course and direction of my life. That's why the overarching theme that we're talking about today, if you're talk, taking notes, is this, that one friendship can shift the direction of your entire life. One friendship at the right place or the wrong place can shift the entire direction of your life. Somebody who gets hooked on drugs and you hear their story, there's always some friend or some group of friends that they started hanging around with that influenced their life. One person that gets their marriage back on track 
gets back on track physically, there's a group of friends that influence them and help them in that direction. So today, we're going to unpack what does it mean to be a great friend and to pick great friends. We're in this series in the book of Proverbs, and the book of Proverbs is all about wisdom. It was written by the wisest guy that ever lived on planet Earth by the name Solomon. Maybe Jesus was a little bit wiser than this guy, but Solomon was the third king of the nation of Israel. His father, David, was a man after God's own heart who pursued and loved God with all of his life. And then Solomon shows up on the scene in this great nation of Israel and is overwhelmed with the task of leadership for Israel. And then he's given one opportunity to ask God for one request, and he asks God for this request. He says, God, if you'd give me any one thing, please give me wisdom. And so God gives Solomon wisdom, and Solomon compiles all of his wisdom in this book called Proverbs. So today, as we're journeying through Proverbs, we're going to look at the subject of picking great friends and becoming a great friend. But to start us off, I want us to go with a working definition of friendship. So if you pull out your notes, you'll see inside your notes that this definition will guide our conversation today. It's from a pastor in Seattle by the name of Mark Driscoll, who influenced my thoughts on the message today. Listen to this definition that he gives us. He is much smarter than I am, so you can tell when we share it with you. I didn't create this, but he says this. He says, a friend is a trustworthy peer. A friend is somebody that you can trust. What does it mean to be trustworthy? It means to be worthy of trust. A friend is somebody who is worthy of trust, and you are a peer with them, It doesn't mean that you're a peer of age or a peer of the phase of life or you have to be a peer at your place of work, but you relate to them as a peer in some area or component of your life whom we mutually choose to lovingly do life with. That that word mutually is very, very important for us in our day and age with social media. You notice how there are some people that just bombard you over and over and over again, that you are friends with on Facebook. I have 1,500 friends on Facebook. But let's be honest, those are more acquaintances than they are friendships. The relationship is not mutual. If somebody continues to message you and you never respond to them, it's a mutual relationship that we choose to do life with lovingly by seeking unique access. There are some people that you've allowed into your life that you've given unique access that you have not given to others. There are some people that you give your cell phone number to, and you later regret that you gave your cell phone number to them. Anybody ever have that happen to you before? They text you over and over and over again. I'm going to the bathroom right now. I'm eating lunch right now. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Well, it would have been wise on the front end to kind of think through the implications with the destination in mind. But friendship, we give unique access to people to do service for God's glory and our mutual goodness. A friend, according to Solomon, according to the Bible, is somebody that points us back towards God's best for our life. So there are some relationships in our lives that we spiritually influence other people. We also call this evangelism, that this is a different type of relationship than what we're going to look at today are friendships that influence our values and the way that we see life. So that's what we're going to unpack. I want to encourage you to take notes. And here's what I want you to do as we journey through. I want you to think about your life and I want you to think about your friendship 
And I want you to give yourself a grade. And you can choose 0 to 10 or A, B, C, D, E, F, whichever you prefer. And I want you to grade yourself as a friend in these four areas. And you can cover it up and scratch it out if you want to so nobody else sees it. But I want you to grade yourself as a friend in these four attributes or characteristics that we're going to look at. And I want you to grade your friends, the people that primarily influence the way that you see life. And if you're taking notes, the first of these four characteristics of a great friend is this. It's one who is wise. A great friend is somebody who is wise, who operates with wisdom. Look at Proverbs 13, 20. It says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. There are some people in your life that have a disproportionate effect on the way that you think, on what you value. And if in your life you are walking alongside people who are wise, if you are seeking their counsel, the natural result is that you will grow in wisdom. But there are also friends who the Bible would call fools. Now, I had some of these friends in high school. These were the kind of friends that on a Friday night always wanted to go streaking. I had one friend in particular that had convinced me multiple times that it was a good idea to streak in the middle of the winter in Michigan. I still can't decide why in God's green earth I thought that that was a great idea. He was also the friend that would convince me to egg people's cars and teepee houses, and this never went well for us. The Bible would say that this causes us to suffer harm. There are some people that point you towards wisdom and some people that point you away from wisdom. And the Proverbs also makes this statement. It says, a righteous man, in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26, is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Wisdom teaches us to be cautious in who we allow to influence our lives. If there are people who live lives away from God's best, they live destructive marriages, they live destructive lives with their finances, they live destructive lives with the way that they treat chemicals, their addictions, to let them influence the way that we see life, the Bible says, is foolish. So I want you to do a calculation of your relationships and your friendships right now. The friends that most influence your life, what direction do they influence you? And if you did a wisdom continuum and you said some people are just flat out foolish, they're a zero on the wisdom continuum, and some people are wise, they're a 10. They're like Hanan from the staff of South Bay Church, that they just exude wisdom everywhere that they go. When you look at your friendships, pick your friends and plot them on that line. And here's what I've noticed in my life. Everybody is free to speak wisdom into my life, and we're going to talk more about that in just a, a moment. But you give a disproportionate level of emphasis or weight to people who are wise when they give you counsel. Like the lady who's been through five marriages, and she starts giving you wisdom and counsel on how to get or how to operate a great marriage. How much weight do you put on her emphasis or on her counsel that she gives to you? Hopefully not a whole lot, right? The guy that's $150,000 in consumer debt and gives you wisdom on how to spend your money, how much weight do you put on his counsel? Hopefully, if you're wise, you don't put a whole lot of weight on his counsel. Those who walk with the wise grow wise. So think about your life. Are you a wise friend and are you picking 
wise friends. Characteristic number one is wisdom. Second one is this. It's dependability. A wise friend is also a dependable friend. It's someone that you can rely upon in difficult times. Look at what Proverbs 17, 17 says. A friend loves when? When it's easy. A friend loves when? When you succeed. No, the proverb says that a friend loves at all times. When you're struggling in your marriage, when you've lost your job, when you can't figure out how to parent, when you don't know what to do with your finances because your bills keep adding up, when you've gotten that bad medical report, the friend is the one who hangs in there with you that loves you at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. God desires for us to have people in our lives that are dependable during the difficult seasons of life. I love this about my wife. I know she hates when I highlight her in my messages in this regard, but she is one of the most dependable people that I have ever spent time with. And whenever I meet somebody or we find one of our friends that's in need, she is the person that you want there. She's the one that you want by your side when when you're struggling. She's compassionate and merciful. She's the one that is involved with all the ladies that helps make meals when families are struggling or when you got a bad medical report, she's going to pray for you and text you and be by your side if she's one of your friends. This is a characteristic the dependability and trustworthy nature of friends that God desires for us to have that point us and move us in the right direction for life. And the flip side of this is what? It's a lack of dependability. It's Kyle Williams last year at the end of the playoffs when the 49ers are doing great and the punt comes and he drops it and the 49ers lose. Now, if you know Kyle Williams and you have a relationship with him, don't tell him I said that. But Anybody in media and any football fan would agree he wasn't very dependable when he needed to be dependable. Now, watch what the proverb says about a lack of dependability. It says this, like a bad tooth. You guys ever had a bad tooth? How many of you guys ever know, know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you've ever had a bad tooth. We have some dentists at our church that can help you with that. If you've ever had a bad tooth and you try to chew on food when your tooth is bad, what happens? It's painful. You can't chew the food. I had a, 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 a bad tooth a couple of years ago, and I chewed on granola, granola, and the tooth just cracked in half. I'm not sure what happened to it because I couldn't find the rest of the tooth. So it's probably somewhere inside of me in my intestines. But the Bible says, like a bad tooth is a friend that you can't depend upon. Like relying upon a lame leg. You guys ever seen somebody with a lame leg? And this is not to make fun of them, but they drag their leg behind. You can't run with a lame leg. It keeps you back from productivity. The proverb says that when you rely on somebody who is not dependable, when you get into a difficult time, it's like chewing and you can't get the food down. It's like running and you can't make progress. So the test of dependability is this, in past times of difficulty, in your friendship with that person or that person's friendship with you, were they dependable or did they leave you when you hit a hiccup or a road bump or a difficult time in life? Were you dependable when your friends walked through a difficult season or a trial in their life? See, wise friends are also dependable friends. They're the kind of people that will prop you up during difficult seasons. So again, Think about your friendships. Are you dependable, number one? And are your friendships or your relationships dependable? Here's this other verse that I think is so important for us to listen to. 
A perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends. Now, many of us have people in our lives that we know would never, ever, ever gossip about us, right? But they gossip about everybody else. They gossip on Facebook. They come to us with the dirty laundry, the news. They are like a walking tabloid. I mean, they are horrible. They're like the tabloids at the grocery store with everybody's news. They're like a paparazzi looking for a picture to pop so that they can spread the news so that everybody knows. And you know what happens with Christians? Christians are the absolute worst at this. You know what they do? They clothe it. What do they clothe it in? Prayer. Oh, bless her heart. We need to pray for her. I mean, have you heard about her? Have you heard about her marriage? Have you heard about him and the girl that he's dating? Have you heard about the financial decisions? We need to pray for them. If you have a friend like that, you know what's happening when you're not around? They're doing the exact same thing to you. And I have friends in my life that I have had to distance myself from because I noticed every time I was with them, they were talking negatively about somebody else about another church, about another pastor, about somebody else who, who I was friends with. And I started to realize if I let this person influence the way that I think about life, I'm going to end up critical natured. I'm going to end up as a gossip. And I have to start to, to distance my influence or their influence into my life so that they don't become a bad tooth or a lame foot. I don't want to depend upon a gossip. That's why we have a zero gossip policy in our church with leadership. If you gossip as a life group leader, you're removed from leadership because it's like trying to run a church with a lame foot or a bad tooth. It will destroy you. It separates close friends. It's one of the strategies of the guy or the evil creature in the Bible called Satan that he uses to divide marriages, to divide homes, to divide churches, to divide businesses and organizations. It's to let a gossip come in and start spreading rumors in the wrong direction and all hell will break loose as a result. Are your friends dependable and are you dependable, not just with your commitments, but with your words? And you don't want to spread your secrets or give your secrets to somebody else who's going to take your secrets and spread them and cause cancer in your life and in the lives of others. So the first characteristic is, what? It's wisdom. The second characteristic is what? You guys awake? Dependability. Wisdom, number one. Dependability, number two. And then number three is this. A wise friend or a great friend is honest. They are honest. And they are honest in two ways. They're honest with their words, number one. And they're honest with their intentions, number two. They're honest with their words and their intentions. Listen to what 27 verse 6 says. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You ever met somebody that always tells you what you want to hear? Everything's great. It's like they're blowing sunshine on you, and they're just trying to make you feel good about everything in your life. You're awesome. You're wonderful. You'd never make a mistake. You're, you're the king. You're the queen. You're, you are like the best thing that has ever happened to planet earth. That's what Solomon is saying, that there is a person like this in our sphere of influence at times that is like multiplying kisses, but there is a true friend that can be trusted who will wound you for your good 
who will wound you when there is an area of your life that is out of alignment with God's best. When they see you heading off of a cliff in your marriage or a guy that you're dating or a girl that you're dating or, or the way that you're operating your finances, they are willing to speak with honest words to say, I love you too much to let your life go this direction. You want to know the test of real friendship for me? You want to know if you're really a friend? Is if I'm willing to tell you things I see in your life that are out of alignment with God's best for you. For example, I will encourage anybody. Anybody I see doing a great job, I will encourage them. I'll tell them specifically, I love you. You're doing a great job. You're, you're getting the ball down the field. I, I do this all the time with our volunteers. If I, if I catch them doing something right, we want to praise them for that. But there is another group of leaders and friends that I have a higher level of influence with, and they have a higher level of influence with me. And a good test of friendship is whether or not I will say to them this area of your life. And if I am sitting in front of you with an open Bible and a journal, and I have notes written down sharing with you an area of your life that is I see out of alignment with God's best for you, you know I love you and we are friends. And that is what the scripture says a friend does, that they are honest with you. They don't coat, candy coat, or blow sunshine on you. They speak truth when they see something in your life that could destroy you. And so my question is, are you, number one, honest with the people in your life? But when people speak to you with honesty, do you receive it? How many of you guys, you guys watched that Lance Armstrong interview this week online with Oprah? Like three of you? Okay, the rest of you, either you're lying or you just don't really care about Lance Armstrong. But I watched portions of it, and I was, I was blown away by his honesty. I was, I was very pleased and encouraged by his confession of him saying, this is what I did and my choices that I made and the consequences. It was, it was incredible. You should go watch it online if you can find it. But the second part of it that was just really saddening to me was when he spoke of all of his friends that tried to share with him areas of his life that were destructive. When they saw him doing things he should not do, and he, he made alibis, he defended himself, he rationalized and excused and threatened anybody that would speak truth into his life. And consequently, what happened with all those people who were real friends to him? They distanced themselves from him. And if you don't have anybody in your life who will speak honestly to you, chances are, when someone spoke honestly to you, you did not receive it. That you would not welcome their correction. So my hope is that in my relationships, people would find me that when they share something in my life biblically with me, that I would open up a journal and I'd start taking notes that I would be teachable to receive so that my life can be realigned with God's very best. And again, friends, we need these kinds of people in our lives that will speak honestly with words of truth to redirect us. But the second component of this that, that I've been discovering even over the last couple of years as our church continues to grow is friends who are honest with their intention towards you. Watch what the proverb says next. It says, wealth brings many friends, but a poor man's friends desert him. Wealth brings many friends. If any of you are wealthy by the world's standards, what happens over the course of time is that people want to be your friend just to get to your pocketbook and your money. They could care less about you as a friend 
and your struggles, and they're going to leave you when difficult times come. And I think that Solomon is giving us a warning here that if you are wealthy, you have to be cautious in friendship. Even going back to that first proverb, that a wise man is cautious in his relationships. But the other verse that I think is very important that I just have spent time meditating on, it says, many curry a favor with a ruler, but and everyone is the friend of a man who gives gifts. That many people come when you're a leader and you have influence, whether it's influence and you're leading a life group or you're on staff in our church or you are a leader in your organization, that people will come to you to curry favors from you without this real desire of friendship from you. They want you to do something for them, but they don't want to be in relationship with you. And a part of wisdom is being cautious. And times I've seen in my life when a relationship grows so fast that you watch somebody come onto you like crazy, uh, like white on rice, that they are after you to be your friend, that you have to be cautious with that. And so what I've seen in, in my journey over the last couple of years, that friendships, if I give them time to develop, you know, if I go out for coffee with somebody and then maybe a couple of months later we go out again and I get to know them a little bit more. It gives me more of an opportunity to see into their intention in my life to make sure that they're not trying to develop a friendship with me just because I'm a pastor, just to get influence in our church. God knows they're not after my money because I don't have any. But for leadership and influence that I've, I'm learning to be more cautious and looking at people's intentions in friendship. It's not that we, we want to be skeptical of every person that comes into our lives. It's just that we want to be cautious to realize that sometimes people will masquerade their intention in relationship with you, and their intention is just to get close to you because you have influence or because you have wealth, rather than to love you, as Proverbs says, a friend should love one, to love someone. So again, let's go back through wisdom number one, dependability number two, and number three is honesty. Number four is this, and this is one that I'm learning a lot about myself being a very passionate kind of intense person. Listen to what the Proverbs says to those of us who are like this. Proverbs 17.9 says, He who covers an offense promotes love, but one who repeats the matter separates close friends. You ever have a friend that when you're struggling, they just want to keep rubbing it back in your face over and over and over and over again? Like that friend that you confess that you're walking through a difficult season with or that friend that you hurt their feelings and then like every time you're together for the next 10 years, they remind you of that one time when you hurt them 10 years ago and you've asked for their forgiveness and you said you were sorry, but it's like over and over and over and over and over again, they bring it back up. See, Solomon says that wisdom tells us in relationships that love covers over an offense, but the kind of person that repeats a matter will separate close friends. So we want to be cautious in friendship to realize that, that a great friend is gracious. We've seen this in our parenting of children, and we as adults need the exact same thing. Some of you parents know what I'm talking about when at the end of the day, your kids haven't had a nap. They've been out. They've, like you've been going, and it's bedtime, and you want them to do something, and they're like throwing a fit. They're, you know, it's been a great day, but they're rolling on the ground crying. They won't listen to anything that you say, and you're trying to figure out what to do. Should I, you know, should I discipline them in this moment? And 
I'm over my head with trying to figure out this child that seems like they need to be thrown behind bars and they're like losing it, going crazy. What they need in that moment is what? Is sleep. They need to go to bed. They don't need you to like run them through the coals of grate them over the coals of like this characteristic is going to destroy your life. And Solomon says in Proverbs that anger is destructive. And like they need you just to get them in bed. They're grumpy. They're cranky. They've been going all day long. And sometimes as adults, we need that too. It's not that our kids don't need to be disciplined. It's not that you want them to run rampant with disobedience. But graciousness is so important in wisdom. Graciousness in relationships covers over offenses and allows there to be this buffer that you can blow it and people still love you. They still care for you. They, they walk through difficult seasons of life with you. A great friend is a gracious friend. A great friend is a gracious friend. Now, here's a word for those of us who are thinking about our own lives, the people in your life, your marriage, your relationship with your children. For those of you who are married and have kids, when you're dating at your place of work, to learn to grow with this edge of graciousness, it's like honey in a relationship. The, the Proverbs even says that graciousness is like honey that, that, that sweetens you as you enter into a room that makes you more pleasing to be with. And I, I just will confess, I'm not always very gracious with my words. I'm type A, I'm intense, but I'm learning as I'm reading through the Proverbs that God wants this from me and wants it in my relationship. So give yourself a grade again, on this subject of graciousness. And while you do, I'll read you this last proverb from chapter 19. This one is overwhelming to me as I think of some of my own behavior patterns. It says this, A man's wisdom gives him patience, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. A great friend is somebody who has patience in life and with you. I have a mentor that has really influenced my life, who's about to turn 60. He's probably the wisest man, one of the wisest men I've ever met. He's a lead pastor of a church called Lake Point Church. And he is, he, he is one of the most patient people that I've ever been around, but one of the most fantastic leaders that you will ever encounter. And I, I saw this proverb, and I saw his life, and I realized that the more seasoned in life you become or I become, it gives us more of this patience to understand like a parent with a child that needs to get sleep. We're not always ready for a fight. We're not always ready to correct, but we're gracious. We have patience, and it's to our glory. When you see a gracious and patient person, it's to their honor that they get a reputation that this is a wise man or a wise woman that is gracious in their relationships. And could you imagine if we would implement these four truths or these four characteristics into our relationships, the difference that it would make if we would seek to be around wise people and give wise counsel, if we would seek to be dependable and live with dependable people, if we would seek to be honest in our relationships and then be gracious with our words and with our intentions, the difference that this could make in your life, in my life. See, I believe, as I said at the beginning, one friendship can shift the direction of your entire life. It can change the course of your marriage. It can change the way you handle your finances. One friendship can lead you to salvation and relationship with God. And if we will apply Solomon's wisdom to our lives, it will make all the difference. And here's the beauty and the reality. When we see the Bible, we realize that God is the perfect friend. In fact, God, we believe from the Bible, 
has eternally existed as a triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for eternity into the past, he existed in joy, in community with himself. And he's not a God that's in great need of humanity. In fact, he would have been joyous for all eternity into the future without us. But he created humanity. In the book of Genesis, we see that he created us for relationship with himself. And then on top of that, God would say in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it's not good for man to be alone. He created us to relate to him and to relate to one another, to be his friend and to be one another's friend. And when Jesus would come back in, in 2,000 years ago, in his teaching, the two most important things Jesus would highlight would be to love God and to love people, that all of life boils down to these two truths, to love God more and to love people more. And if we just grow in these two things of friendship, friendship with God and friendship with one another, our lives will have been a success before God and according to what the Bible teaches of us. And so my hope is today that no matter where you are in your journey, that we would learn to apply what we've talked about today. And here are two very practical ways that you can apply these truths this week. See, I've noticed that men and women are very, very different. We're similar. We have two eyes, two nose, two ears, two arms, two legs. We'll stop there. We're different in many other ways. And the way that guys develop friendships and relationships is it's more shoulder to shoulder. Like, I know some guys, you're weird, you're metrosexual, whatever that means. You like to go and have a cup of jasmine tea for three hours with one another and peer into each other's eyes. But most men, normal men, develop relationships shoulder to shoulder, doing life together, working together. And some of the best friendships I've seen developed at South Bay are through serving together in our teams. I love our, our security team. They have these little mics that you know, they walk around with, and they're like CI agents for South Bay Church. And every Sunday, they're looking for something to go wrong so that they can solve it. Really, they don't want it to happen, but they're there to protect against things going wrong. And I love the community for, for them and for our parking lot guys that stand out there with their batons and the friendships that they're developing and our, our crew that would set up and tear down when we were in the school, the friendships that developed as they did shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder time. Now, women are a little bit different, right? They're more face-to-face. -face. They like to talk with one another, right? That's why men and women, sometimes we have a hard time. We're like this with one another. We just kind of miss each other in marriage because he wants to hang out and she wants to talk. Now, that's another talk for another day. Uh, but what I want us to see is women, they need more of that moment to mo those moments where they can talk. Now, both of these it's not like you need to neglect or not do one or the other. As a man, you still need to have some conversations. Women, you still need to do some shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder time. But the two components of this that drive community happening at a deeper level at South Bay are our serving teams and our community life groups. That when we live and we do these two things, when we serve together and we commune together in our life groups, it grows us. It grows our friendships, and it allows people who are wise, who are dependable, who are honest, and who are gracious with us to influence our decisions and point us back towards wisdom. So today, I want to challenge you to take the step to get involved in a life group, number one, and in a serving team, number two, if you are not involved in those two areas of, of, of South Bay Church, to let community flourish and friendship go deeper. And I just, I just cannot wait to see what happens in our lives and the difference that it will make as we apply God's wisdom found 
in the book of Proverbs, especially in this area of friendship. Let's pray together. God, thank you today that all across the room, people at different places in the journey, that you you have a desire for us to have friendship with you and friendship with one another. Thank you that you are a great friend, that you're a perfect friend. Some, some of you around the room today with every eye closed and every head bowed, today is an invitation from God to begin friendship with him. And the Bible says that friendship with him is not based upon religion. In fact, the reason Jesus came was so that we could have a relationship with God apart from religion, that when Jesus would be crucified on a cross, it was for our wrongdoings and sin, and he would resurrect from the dead. And when he would resurrect, our relationship with God could begin by grace through faith. That as I put my faith in what Jesus did in his death and resurrection, that relationship between God and I can begin in this moment. So if that's you, today can be a new journey for you, and a relationship with God can begin in this moment just by saying from your heart, God, I want to know you. I want to follow you. I believe, Jesus, that you died on a cross and you rose from the dead. And I surrender my life to you. Today, that relationship can begin. Others of you across the room, you need God to give you an extra measure of strength or wisdom to know how to pick and become a great friend. And I want to pray for you. God, help us to apply these truths to our lives to realize there is a disproportionate effect on our lives with our friendships, that we can, we can shift the direction of our lives and the destination ultimately of our lives by living with wisdom in our friendships. Help us to do that. Help us to apply what we've heard today. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.